All right, uh, my name's Sarah. I am going to be the host this morning, so let me get it going. Sylvia, can you spotlight me? Sylvia is in the background today. All right, I'm going to share my screen. And welcome to the bridge on Zoom. Our physical location is on the lands of the Semi-Amu, Stolo and Kwantlen peoples. And we are very grateful to be here and hope that we can learn from the, the, uh, the first occupants of this land as to how to care for it as best we should. Uh, I am gonna do a Visio Divina this morning, which is holy seeing. Um, and so it's looking with the eyes of asking God to show us what it is they wanna show us. So I'm going to show a couple of icons this morning. The first is, um, they're both called Trinity. Um, one is by a Russian artist called Andrei uh, Rublev, painted in the 15th century. And the other is by a modern iconographer called Kelly Lattimore. Um, and that's called the Trinity too. Uh, uh, so let me show you. So you can try to guess which one's, which one's the modern, which one's the ancient. Um, the Trinity depicts three angels in both images. Um, and they're the angels who visited Abraham at the Oak of Mamre in Genesis 18. But the painting is full of symbolism and is interpreted as an icon of the Holy Trinity. At the time of Rublev, the Holy Trinity was the embodiment of spiritual unity, peace, harmony, mutual love and humility, symbolizing the fact that the three divine persons are of equal essence we see that they are the same size. All three carry staves in their hand. All three sit on the same type of throne and each figure is clothed in the same type of garments. Um, and while they're different, they are individually distinct. The second image, so the one on the right, uh, is a modern image, a modern icon by Kelly Lattimore. And then there's tons of symbolism in this, so much to read. Uh, when you when you look at an icon, you're not looking at it, uh, you're reading it, which is which is kind of interesting. So you read from left to right. So back to the Rublev one, we have um, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Father underneath the house, you see the house in the background to it. There's a house here. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. And, uh, behind the Son is the tree featuring the, um, the, uh, the cross. And underneath here is, the, is a mountain. Um, which is the mountain that we might ascend by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this one, these uh, the angels are female. In here, male, and this one, female. But again, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Behind again is the house. In my Father's house are many rooms. And the tree symbolizing the cross and the mountain, which is the spiritual ascent of humans with the Spirit's presence in us. On the table, right here, you can see wheat and grapes symbolizing communion. And they are holding hands. There is connection between the three. You see the hands holding here. But this hand is outstretched to us. And there is space at the table for us to join. Here, here, there is space for us. I could go on and on, but I want you to look. I'll, I'll stop talking. Um, I'd love to know which of these two images are you drawn to the most? And uh, pop it in the chat. 
Is there anything about these images that captures your attention, just draws you in? I love how in Kelly's image, the, the faces are looking out to us, except the father who's looking at the son and the spirit. Yeah, the bright colors and the hand holding. Passion and love reaching out to us. Mm -hmm. Glowing heads, yeah, angels. The halo is typical iconography. And as you look at these images, whichever catches your attention the most, whichever you know draws you in, um, is there a message that God wants to give you today? Is there a message that God would like to communicate? about themselves or about you in that. Can you imagine yourself seated at that table? The inclusivity of all three of the three racial types on the in Kelly's icon and the modern one with trying to offer love extended to all. I love the ancient one. All three seem to have their heads lowered. It really speaks to me of the character of God, a kind who chose to come as a gentle servant, a kind king. Yeah. Welcome, always welcome. Well, God, I thank you for these two artists that have shown us a glimpse into the relationship that there is between you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you for that, the image that welcomes us, that welcomes everyone into that, that circle, into that relationship, into that love. And I, I thank you. I thank you for the skill of these artists to just give us a glimpse of something. Show us more as Kathy speaks today about what it is that to be in relationship with uh, with you, with each other. Amen. All right. Over to Lando, who's going to lead us in communion. Lando, you need to unmute. Just saw that notice. Morning, everyone. Welcome. Uh, 
I love history. I love to uh, think about how things were in the past. And uh, I'm imagining this morning being a disciple. I, I haven't been uh, in a group. I've been in groups, but I don't remember being in a group of 12 with uh, a leader. Uh, I was in a group of eight. We were all kind of leaders, but you can imagine if you were uh, following Jesus, you'd been with him for about three years. A lot of incredible things happened. And uh, you did have meals together, of course. Uh, you uh, followed him when he would share the stories, the parables, he would teach them. Uh, you followed him when there were healings. Uh, a couple times it was recorded that there was uh, resurrection. That's just amazing. Um, and then we come to this meal. Uh, everyone was gathered. And Jesus says something to them. He said, one of you is going to go betray me. And uh, up until uh, actually this morning when I was rereading this, I, it didn't dawn on me that that was the meal. Uh, <clears throat> it didn't dawn on me all the elements that happened in, at that time. But uh, that was quite a shocker uh, if I would have been sitting there and thinking, okay, now someone's going to betray me, uh, Jesus said, and, and sort of pondering that. And then he uh, reaches for the, uh, <clears throat> the wine and bread and uh, starts talking about his blood and his body. Um, and in Paul, in uh, 1 Corinthians 11, I'm, I'm going to read it and then we'll, uh, we'll live it, relive it. <clears throat> Uh, Paul says, uh, for from the Lord, I received what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread. And having given thanks, broke it and said, this is my body, which is being broken for your sake. Do this for my remembrance. Likewise, after supping, the cup also saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink for my remembrance. For as often as you eat the loaf and drink the cup, you announce the Lord's death until he come. So let's, uh, let's do this together. Uh, his body broken for us, his blood shed for us. <clears throat> his body broken for us, his blood shed for us. Our great God, Lord Jesus Christ and Holy Spirit, help us to always remember this momentous event and live in the significance and freedom that it portrays to us. Amen. All right. Let's carry on here uh, today. Uh, my wife, Kathy, is going to speak to us for a while. And uh, uh, we... we uh, I usually don't, when, when, when I speak or when she speaks, I go to the other room. I just, you know, it's just how we do it. But today she said, well, maybe you should be with me. And I said, no, that's not how I do it. So she set up the computer in her room. She couldn't get it connected. So we were forced to make this happen together. 
So uh, I will try not to uh, laugh too much or poker in the ribs or whatever. Uh, but uh, let's just pray together and 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 uh, we'll get going. Our Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this beautiful morning here in Abbotsford and wherever uh, the rest of us are throughout the country. Uh, we come to you and say that you are our Lord, our Savior. And we come to you and ask to be uh, illuminated a little bit, to be shown something maybe that we haven't thought about before. It portrays your character in a new way or just, just reminding us who you are. And I pray a blessing on Kathy that you'll give her the strength and energy and joy in sharing these thoughts. In Jesus' name, amen. Over to you. Before I start, I have a quick question, Sarah. Will I be able to see the chat while I'm talking? Or could you read it for me if there's... Yep, I, I can read anything for you that happens. But um, if you if you click the chat button, you should be able to get it up next to you. Okay. Oh, done. You got it? Oh, and now it's perfectly arranged. I can see the chat and you. <laughs> Look at that. Fantastic. Okay. Hey, you're, you're in business. <laughs> Oh, last year, I was asked to talk on this same Sunday, Trinity Sunday. Now, this means one of two things. Either I nailed it, or I missed the target entirely. And by grace, I've been asked, I've been given a second chance <laughs> to clarify this mystery. Thanks, Eden. <laughs> Actually, after investing more time, uh, this year than I did last year studying, I find myself in more awe of the Trinity and yet less able to know or articulate who they are. So this is going to be more of a morning devotion than a sermon on the Trinity. So using the chat, please type in three words that say who you are. Thus, the need for the chat. Who are you? Daughter, sister, friend, child of God. For me, my words could be mom, grandma, wife. A table setter. Ooh, I've been at that table. Daughter of the Most High, daughter of Patsy, wife, mother, mom, daughter, sister. Daughter, mother, sister. Friend, justice seeker. These are great. And even with you offering these words, there's still so much that remains unknown about you with only a few words offered. And much more so with the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Trinity. <laughs> that was last Sunday. This Sunday, Trinity. Okay, much more so, much more mystery when the Holy Trinity is spoken of. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Godhead, three in one. 
And the mystery, I say, is a good thing. The Holy Trinity is a marvelous mystery. Our great, big, mysterious, loving God is never going to be completely understood by us humans. That's a good thing, considering our dependence on him. I am much more able to trust a God that is so big I can't fully understand him than a God who is too small and wouldn't be up to the project of caring for us all. Jacqueline Marr says in a lesson that she wrote for children, the doctrine of the Trinity tells us that there is one God who is three distinct persons existing as a community of self-giving and loving relationships with each other. This is one of the reasons we say God is love. That reminds me of the icon, Sarah, that you showed, icons. Um, in another trusted source, Wikipedia offers this along with a whole course worth more. In Trinitarian doctrine, God exists in three persons, but is one, having a single divine nature. The members of the Trinity are co-equal, co-eternal, one essence in nature, power, action, and will, cooperation. As stated in the Athanasian Creed, the Father is uncreated, the Son is uncreated, the Holy Spirit is uncreated, and all are eternal without beginning. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are not names for different parts of God, but one name for God, says Barth. <clears throat> and because three persons exist in God as one entity, they cannot be separate from one another. Each person is understood as having the identical essence or nature, not merely similar natures. And here's an ex some examples. Not only do we see each person relating and interacting with each other, the father sends his son into the world. And Jesus, when he's here, often talked about his father and prayed to him. And the Holy Spirit descended <clears throat> on Jesus at his baptism. And Jesus later promised that he would send the Holy Spirit to uh, all of his disciples. And he did. And each member of the Trinity is different, but 100% God. They're all equal with the same divine nature. Now, here are a few earth side pictures that might work as pictures uh, of pictures of one and three. The apple. We have the skin, the flesh, and the core, and it is an apple. And yet the seeds are not an apple, and the skin is not an apple, but they are parts of the apple. <clears throat> and then we have the sandwich. I looked hard for this one. I looked at peanut butter sandwich images, and they were usually on white bread with horrible peanut butter. <laughs> this one is deluxe. <clears throat> sandwich, bread, peanut butter, jam. Still though, each thing is different but it does make a sandwich. Water. Okay, this one is better. H2O, water, ice, and steam or gas. And they are always H2O. So that's interesting. <clears throat> and then the Celtic knot. When I first looked at this image, I thought, cool, intersecting petals. Then I traced one with my finger does not quit. 
The visual tract does not end with each leaf shape, but it continues to form this connected triad. Yeah, thanks, Sarah. Yes, and that was a surprise to me. <laughs> and then the next one, this is a, also a Celtic knot, but it includes, I suggest, a hug. I don't know if we have that one. I'm sorry, I missed that one. That's okay. It's a Celtic knot, and then it had a circle around it. So um, you could just draw that in if you want to. It's in your imagination. Uh, oh, yeah, there it is. The Celtic <laughs> knot, including a hug. <clears throat> but, you know, the texts that were given for today uh, in the lectionary, the thing that really struck me was the tender and loving character of the Trinity. Um, not the complexity of how to explain them. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are loving. They are love. They may have been misrepresented in the Christian circles over the years, who like to take sides and argue and fight, whatever. But that doesn't mean that the Trinity is anything other than complete love. I have a passage from Hosea. <clears throat> 11, 1 to 4. When I was, when Israel was a child, I loved them. And out of Egypt, I called my child. They, the Baals, the false gods, called to them. And they sacrificed to idols. They offered incense. Yet, it was I who walked toddling Ephraim, taking them by their arms. Yet they did not know that it was I that healed them. I led them with human ties, with bonds of love. I was like to them those who lift babies to their cheeks. I bent down to them and fed them. Pretty tender, eh? Now some background on the book of Hosea. Hosea is one of the minor prophets. His audience in this book was Ephraim, which is another name for the Northern Kingdom of Israel, uh, which is mentioned 35 times in this book. <clears throat> Hosea wanted to see Ephraim turn back to God. If I understand correctly, this period covered 30 years and five different kings. Over and over again, Ephraim turned away from their tender relationship with God and got distracted by the false God of Baal thinking of themselves in the immediate sense, rather than walking with God long-term on a better path. We can read of five cycles of God's frustration, discipline, restoration, of relationship between him and his people. Fascinating. The style and tone of this book shift from threat to consolation, from frustration to compassion and from impatience to understanding on God's part. Interesting, eh? Hosea also points out the social injustices of his time. I'll say good for him. How did they not know that God was holding them and tenderly lifting them? Not because God had left, rather because they got distracted and seemed to have gotten in the habit of turning away from God, even to the point of worshiping other gods. I have to wonder why. What did these false gods have to offer? 
something more temporal, something more immediately satisfying, or perhaps it was fear that invited them to placate these false gods for a fake sense of safety. What I see that I love in the text is God is present. God does not leave. God is actively reaching out to the people to try to draw them back to relationship. God gets frustrated. It sounds like part of parenthood to me. But he doesn't give up because of his love. The Trinity is love. What is Trinitarian love? Here are a few suggestions. God is always present. I think this is my favorite ab attribute of God. I call it his withness, not witness, withness. <laughs> since I have known Jesus since I was a little child, I don't even know what it would be like to not have his spirit with me. Jesus said, I am with you always. God is merciful and his justice is restorative. His judgments are always fair. This attribute found uh, its fulfillment in the life of Jesus, who confronted the Pharisees about their neglect of justice and lack of generosity towards the poor. This makes me think of parenting, where punishment and shame will not change a child's heart in any good way. It will hurt their heart, but it will not change their heart in a good way. Not like connection, good connection, and natural and logical consequences alongside of the connection as needed. That will make a difference. And that is like our God. God is faithful. When? Always and forever. Through all generations. God is good. God's loving goodness informs all of his actions. It is the heartbeat of the Trinity, this goodness. And God is the shepherd who leads, guides, protects, and finds us. I'm going to say that again. God is the shepherd who leads, guides, protects, and finds us. Of a story, well, you've probably seen that painting of the, of Jesus holding a sheep, holding a sheep, however you held the sheep, the lamb. <clears throat> and one time I was praying for a girlfriend who was having a very <clears throat> difficult meeting with her mother, her abusive mother. And um, I, I knew when they were meeting, so I prayed for them during this meeting. And I do see things sometimes. Uh, I call them prayer pictures. Anyways, I, I saw my friend and the mom, like, in a booth talking. And then, of course, the mother said hurtful things. I just knew this would happen. But I saw Jesus pick my friend up like a lamb. And in the picture, she was like a lamb. and he turned her away from her mom, protective. He wasn't going to let my friend be hurt very, very deeply because he was holding her, protecting her. Beautiful. I have two questions. Um, and listen closely, because right after these questions, we're gonna break into like a Q&R, except um, three quarters of the way through instead of at the very end. So. Two questions that came to my mind was were when God was working with Ephraim, his impatience and frustration with them reminded me of a normal parent, a good parent who keeps trying even when they're frustrated. 
Does God have human qualities? If we are made in God's image, is this possible? I mean, Hosea is a poet, so he may not have re represented God accurately, but I couldn't help but think about this. And my second question, this is more of a question, I guess, the other is more of an observation. How is it that God got, how is it that Ephraim got distracted so many times? And then what distracts and tempts us to turn our gaze and attention away from our all-encompassing God? How do we not know God's presence sometimes? Okay, let's have a chat about that. I think in a big, uh, yeah, like this. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. So either topic, just mix it up. So we're doing Q&R in the middle, just yeah. to mix the whole thing up. Thanks, Kathy, keeping us on our toes. <laughs> There's a comment in the chat. I would say we have God qualities, not the other way around. Does God have human qualities? Do we have God qualities? Discuss. Is frustration perhaps a God quality? And we haven't allowed ourselves to have it. Hmm. That's a good question. I'm hoping that my sound comes through clear yeah. enough. Um, I'm... I look like, I hope I look like I'm in a church pew and not a bed, um, but I am fully dressed and in a bed because we're at a conference and everyone else is in the room next door. So I'm relegated to a bedroom. So um, I'm looking at the question about um, how do we, um, how do we like not know God's presence sometimes and I think it's about for me it's about um an expectation so I can go into my day and I can go through the whole thing and at the end of the day maybe something difficult happened and I can just go well where were you God as like an accusation right yeah had I started the day with um, kind of where are we going to meet or my expectation is, Hey, I'm looking for you or wonder where we're going to meet today, that kind of thing. Then, then the table is set for that. Right. And I'm ready to, to see Jesus in my day. And for me, that, that makes the difference. I can, I can trip over him and miss his presence if I'm not looking for it. Mm. Thanks, Eden. There's another comment in the chat says we most naturally have God qualities of love and mercy, but we are sometimes out of balance from them.
I would say that uh, to the one question, what distracts us and tempts us to turn our gaze, attention from all our all-encompassing God is that I don't like to wait sometimes. I like to have instant reaction, instant uh, gratification, instant answer. And sometimes God takes his time, her time, um, a little bit longer than I want. And that, that distracts me. Um, I see the maybe a, a, the earthly answer in front of me, and I'll just jump at that. And so then I've missed the the bigger picture, God's picture for me. That's that what that's what's come to me about that. Sure. There's spiritual ADHD in the chat. <laughs> well, I got the regular ADHD. <laughs> Probably spiritual too. I think it's pretty crossover. <laughs> yes, of course they would. I guess uh, um, the whole question is why do we not feel? I think, I mean, I know we're not supposed to be uh, giving input with questions, but <laughs> I, I feel like the question is asked and then the thing that comes to my mind is, well, what constitutes the presence of God? Like, are we looking for a feeling? Are we looking for revelation? Are we looking for answers? Are we looking for comfort? Are we looking for what what actually is the presence of God? I mean, I mean, some people may it's just it's just something to ask yourself, what does it actually mean? And um I don't know, if 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 there's some kind of answer to that, then there's a better way to look for it, I think. And for everyone, I think maybe it's kind of a different thing. I'm not sure, but I don't know. So there's another question. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, feel free to address Brenda's question. <laughs> no, we don't have to answer it, but it, no, no. You, know, you can think about it or I don't yeah, know, yeah. think about you. it with me. <laughs> Sometimes questions are much more, uh, much more exciting than actual answers. It, it'll, it'll, it leaves us open rather than giving us the, here's the closed answer. A question yeah. is much more expansive. Yeah, I love that. Brenda, I think you get you get like an A plus in question asking. <laughs> Good, well. Yeah, I totally. I sometimes, um, at least for me, I think when I'm waiting to hear from God, um, I tend to err on the side of maybe not identifying like both pieces like I think sometimes it's so easy to imagine um that in our faith or in my faith that like everything should go well and great and um you know blessings and um but then on the other side of that is oh, I guess the opposite right the hard things when things aren't going really great or the struggle or ailments you know um kind of like grief and joy you know that they're sort of sisters you know you when you experience a great love god's great love um with it also comes you know this abounding life that comes with all of this complication and all this sticky stuff 
And so I think sometimes when we think, you know, for me, I think, well, gee, um, maybe today just the kids didn't listen. Everything kind of just was hairy and all over the place. And, you know, the baby didn't nap and she's grouchy as all get up. Um, but like God is like, so for me being able to like stop and see that like, oh, like God is actually in all of this too, that like he's in the joy and he's in the good. But I think, yeah, my instinctual thing, it's, it feels so easy to like, to see him and to be like, well, that must be God. Like when you just feel like blessing is just showered on you and then it can be harder to imagine that the two coexist with within each other and to see like oh god like you are just in these dirty dishes and my to toys everywhere and my mounting laundry pile and kids homework and the baby not napping and that like yeah I just think that he just dances in those places with us and so I think sometimes I struggle with that with kind of this yeah I guess expectation of thinking you know it's easier to see him when things feel good and you feel like you're well and your family's well and your health is good and you're blessed and and then when stuff gets mucky and you're in the mire and it's like oh there you are God and there you are just the same and unchanged and just still dancing. <laughs> well said. Well said, Tamara. <laughs> I love that. I couldn't agree more. I think we tend to only see God when, you know, like we say, oh, it was a God thing because, you know, we, we something turned out good then then what is god if if only with us when yeah. things go well i don't know that reminds me jeff of my favorite thing is about god is his withness you know in the dirty dishes the laundry the being sick when I was younger, I had a lot of dizziness, like in the dizziness. At least I wasn't alone. I wasn't alone. He was with me. So so maybe that's the comfort. Uh, <clears throat> we talk about comforter. Like, so if we cannot escape presence, if we can't escape God's love, then maybe that's maybe sometimes our our work is to be reminded when it's great and when it's not great and when there's chaos and life that we cannot escape this essence of God's love that literally is uh, infuses the entire creation. I think maybe that's where, where, you know, we talk about, well, how do we get kind of zeroed in again is not so much about needing to get right with God or we need to do this more or that more, which is what we all want to do. Just tell me what to do. One, two, three, and I'll do it. And I, I know. And yeah. Being awake to whatever it is. Just to being awake to, well, you know, you're breathing, aren't you? And you're part <laughs> of what's called life and you get 80 years and or this so. is or so. And, and, and it's, so it's more like ground zero. It's the level ground of what already is. And if we can be reminded of that's actually how 
things really are, well, then we're not trying, then this idea of the definition of who God is, then we realize, well, wait a second, like Tamara said, I hope your name is Tamara, uh, but mm -hmm. that was fantastic. It's like, well, then that makes sense because it's the presence, it, it's, if, if you're going to be involved in life, well, then welcome to chaos and welcome to uh, uh, surprises and good things and, and death and life. And uh, so maybe that's our job, if anything, and that is my job to look in the eyes of the other and go, well, God is already here with us, in us, through us. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, thanks, Philip. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is... Um, <clears throat> It's good to remember and assume. <laughs> not, I guess not always good to make assumptions about each other, but since God said he's always with us, um, seems good to assume and remember that he's there and celebrate with him <clears throat> in the good times and lean into him in the hard times and just keep Leaning in, not having to run away, knowing that we can have, excuse me, honest conversations. We can even complain to him and God's not going to be shocked. He, he welcomes the connection so we can tell him our disappointments. We don't have to run away in our shame like uh, Adam and Eve did in the garden but turn toward and say, oh my God, literally, I made a horrible mistake and just lean in. He's not gonna reject. He's not gonna, it's not gonna shame. He's gonna hold us. Okay, now uh, in closing, and Sarah, it's up to you. If you, <laughs> if you wanna have a little more Q and R after, that's fine. Okay. Uh, in closing, I have three scriptures and a poem that were all, also part of the lecture. They're quite brief. So the first one is from 1 Peter 1, 12 to 19a. And this is written to Jews and Gentile Christians who are scattered throughout Northern Asia. And um, sounds like Paul... Sounds like Peter is getting to the end of his life. And these things are super important to him. So he says, therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth you have been taught. And it's only right I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me I must soon leave this earthly life. So I, I will work hard to make sure you always remember these things after I'm gone. We were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when he received honor and glory from God the Father. The voice, can you imagine the memory of all The voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, this is my dearly loved son. Who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were there with him on the holy mountain. 
And because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote. And why? For their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place. I welcome that. The beauty of a lamp shining in a dark place. This next passage is Galatians 4, 4 to 7. And in here we plainly see the Trinity. Triangle, not a symbol. But when a time was... When the time arrived that was set by God's father, God sent his son, born among us of a woman, born under the conditions of the law, so that we who are prisoners of the law or been kidnapped by the law could be redeemed. Thus, we have been set free to experience our rightful heritage. And this love is part. You can tell for sure that you are now fully adopted as his own children. Because God sent the spirit of his son into our lives, crying out, Papa, Father. It's pretty informal. Doesn't that privilege of intimate conversation with God make it plain that you are not a slave? We are not slaves, but a child. And if you are a child, you are also an heir. You have complete access to the inheritance. The next passage, very short. Psalm 131, verse 3. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord now and always. And now a poem that I came across written by a poet laureate from Missouri. <clears throat> ah, love it. Today I passed a stand of trees. Tall, closely packed, bare, and almost black from rain. But underneath, I saw smaller trees just getting started on their slow snatch and grow grab of sky. And I saw these were golden still, and they glowed like campfires in the dark. Lately, I've been wanting a little light. There it was. All I had to do was turn my gaze a few degrees from center. Some blessings find some blessings find us when we move towards them. They're waiting only to be seen. Near the end of a difficult year, may we spot the light as we breathe in prayer or supplication. Show me. Show me. Show me. And that's that. Kathy, thank you. That was You're great. Welcome. I love that conversation in the middle too. Everybody just added so much depth and richness to the conversation. So thank you everyone for your part in all of that.